Welcome to the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast, where we continue the conversation that started on Sunday to help you become more like Christ throughout the week. I'm your host, Clay Wright. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast. My name is Clay Wright, and I'm going to be hosting for you guys today, and I'm blessed to be here with Pastor Jim Minling. Uh, I'm glad to be here. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of my favorite hours of the of the week. That's good. Me too. Me too. And I uh, I'm excited in, in this podcast. We for those of you who have been listening with us, you know, uh, but we love to dig deeper into the word. That's yeah. the the heart behind this this time here is to just ask more questions, deeper questions, so like, that the word can change us. Things that we didn't have time to talk about on Sunday that we left on the cutting room floor. Exactly, <laughs> and and it seems especially apt this week because we're talking about in this second week of our what's your next step excursion we're talking about being connected to god mm. through the word and prayer yeah. and so you know we're going to get into the scriptures a little bit today as we're talking and, and dig in deeper to john chapter 15 and so you you opened up john 15 verses 1 through 8 for us which is a really popular passage mm. especially for talking about intimacy with the lord being connected with god yeah and uh, I've got some stories about John 15. Uh, my, one of my first sermons in school when I was learning to preach was on John 15. Uh, and so uh, it, it's wonderful. And as you said on Sunday, it's kind of a theme verse for this idea of what we see in Jesus. Yeah. He was connected to God. And so, so much, yes. um, as we get into the conversation, you did mention in your sermon that there was some insight in the Greek text, uh, some translation uh, things that you wanted to bring up mm -hmm. during our time today. So could you bring us into what were you seeing in the Greek text? Or as you've studied in the past, what have you seen? Yeah. Um, so um, there's a word that Jesus uses in John 15, um, uh, 2, where he says, uh, <laughs> I don't want to actually say it the way, the, the NIV says, he cuts off. Uh, every branch in me that does not bear fruit. Mm -hmm. And that I, I mentioned ever so briefly that that word that's translated by the phrase cuts off is the word Iro. It's not a rare word. And it's, it appears um, 101 times in the New Testament. So it's, it's relatively common. And what I was trying to communicate was that in a word that's, that's, that's used 101 times, not once, is it translated to cut off? Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, every single time it's used, it, it's translated takes up or picks up or um, some, some raises up. Yeah. And so, um, you know, just some, if, if anybody wants to open up their Bible, just some famous passages, for instance, um, Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, um, uh, which I just lost. Um, <laughs> 1128 is come to me all you are weary um uh, i just lost that that, that what that what that verse say uh, for instance here's another one John, matthew 16 24 whoever wants to be my disciple must pick up their cross that's the word iro mm -hmm. um if you were to translate that cuts off it makes zero sense you know yeah what is matthew 1129 1129 says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle okay. and humble in heart. So that first word is, is Iro, take up my, your, you oh know, yeah. And, and, um, and, and John, and, and the way John uses it and the rest of the gospel of John, uh, John eight, for instance, there's like five or six instances, uh, in this, in the retelling of the story of the man that Jesus healed, who was, who was paralyzed. Mm -hmm. Uh, he says, take up your mat. That's the Iro. 
pick up your mat. And so he picked up, uh, you know, so that word gets used again and again. And so you, you ask yourself the question, well, why does the NIV, a trusted, fantastic translation, uh, translate it cuts off? And then you, you think to yourself, well, it must be just the NIV. You go to every other translation you can find, mm-hmm. not every other, but all the most popular ones, the ESV, NLT, NASB, they all have cuts off. And um, I started noticing this, and I'm like, "What? what's going on here? Why, if the word means picks up, takes up, uh, like for, if you go to the two most famous lexicons, uh, Strong's Concordance is another example. The very first entry is picks up, mm-hmm. raises up, takes up. If you go to the gold standard, the uh, we call it the TDNT, the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament, first definition, picks up, checks up, raises up. So, and so, um, I, I just, it just struck me until I talked to a vineyard owner and, um, I said to them, you know, if you were to translate this word, this word, every branch in me, he takes up, he lifts up, um, so that it can bear more fruit. Does that mean anything to you? And the vineyard owners that are live, that live in Vermilion, uh, that I talked to their eyes lit up and I went, Oh Yeah. You know, that, that's exactly what you do to a branch that was bearing fruit or that you want to bear fruit, but then it's, now it's stopped. You know, you, you check to see, well, first of all, is it in the branch? Is, uh, is it into the vine? Mm-hmm. And if you look at John 15 too, Jesus doesn't say every branch that doesn't bear fruit. Right. He says every branch in me. Yeah. That's very significant. So these are not branches that have fallen out or worked their way out or... You know, these are branches in him. And this, that's Jesus' whole point. If you remain in me, in me. So how could a branch in Jesus not be bearing fruit? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, it's fallen down into the mud. It's fallen down into the insects. It's fallen. It's gotten trampled or something. So we lift up yeah. the that branch. We don't cut it off. And we lift it up and we attach it to the trellis. And I'm, I'm just going, oh my gosh. So this, this is what you would do as a vineyard owner. And they're like, Absolutely. And so I, I began to scratch my head wondering, why are all these translations translating this way? So I went to a commentary and um, started reading in commentaries. And a couple of them said things like, well, verse 6, here, I'll, let's open up the text. Yep. Verse 6 is how you translate, is, is how you interpret verse 2. And so you look at verse 6, if you do not remain in me, You are a branch, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. And so you have, you know, I guess I don't understand when they say verse 2 needs to be interpreted by verse 6. The whole point of verse 6 is if you don't remain in me. Right. Whereas verse 2, Jesus says, you know, this is a branch that's in me. So, um, it's it's clear to me that what's going on here is that um, this is where someone's theology or a, tr- a translation committee's theology is influencing their interpretation of the scripture. And again, if it was just one translation, I'd be like, okay, well, but every translation you look at. Mm-hmm. And so instead of taking the common understanding of the word, the word that's translated every other time— in the Bible, <laughs> as takes up, they invent—not invent—they take a a 
um, obscure meaning kind of plug it in to fit their theology, in which is if you don't behave, if you don't uh, bear fruit, mm-hmm. if you don't live as a Christian, you better be careful because God's going to cut you off yeah. and you're going to lose your salvation and you're going to be sent to hell and all this fear tactic stuff. And I just, and that it almost makes me a little bit angry because that's mm-hmm. not the heart of the father. If you mess up, I'm going to cut you off. And there's a whole generations that are impacted by this translation. Yeah. And to, and to me, again, this is where I get most kind of amped up is when people start creating distortions of who God is. Mm-hmm. And this is one that has, has affected me personally, because I grew up with a fear, an improper fear of God. Hmm. Um, I was afraid of God. I was afraid of messing up. I was afraid of sinning. I was afraid of if I don't do it right, you know, God's going to be angry at me. And, um, and so instead of living in the freedom and the joy yeah. of abiding in the vine, I'm afraid I'm trying to make sure that I live right. So that, mm-hmm. so I don't fall under God's anger. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, you had some times in your life that was where you were feeling that way. And a lot of people I know, mm-hmm. you know, were so afraid of messing up. Absolutely. It takes, it takes the language and the invitation to abide and to oh. be with God into a warning. And yeah. You know what I mean? It's, and it, it ignores the God of yeah. grace mm-hmm. and a God of love and a God of, of patience. Yeah. Uh, these are all very consistent with the nature of God. And so whether it's my theological concern or whether it's my pastoral concern or whether it's my exegetical concern, mm-hmm. how are we correctly interpreting this passage? I'm, unhappy with all these <laughs> translations and you know and i am um, i know i was talking to you about this one day and i said you know whenever i am interpreting a passage that's different from the way other people yeah. translate it i get uh, uncomfortable because you know i'm I, i'm a i'm a student of greek but i'm not a world class scholar mm-hmm. um i i'm a, a careful student but uh, i i want to be careful i don't want to look for something novel i don't want to be have a different interpretation, you know? Right. Uh, and so this is, this has actually bothered me quite a bit. I, I went to a world-class scholar and asked him about this and, and uh, he was like, wow, I've never really noticed that. And he, he was scratching his head going, yeah. you have a good point. And the more <laughs> I kind of piled up the information, you know, it's, it's 101 times. It's always translates this way. And, you know, um, and the, the, the TDNT, the theological dictionary of the new Testament, first entry, you know, he's like, wow. Yeah. And so, um, this is to me a, a, one of the great cases where interpretation matters. Mm-hmm. Yes. It matters how we interpret the Bible. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, so back to the nature of God, uh, I, this is what I want to say pastorally, you know, God wants you to bear fruit mm-hmm. like any gardener. That's how Jesus characterizes the father. Gardeners are not looking to stomp out branches, stomp out growth. They want every branch to flourish. They want their flowers, their fruit to mature and to be a, you know, beautiful garden. And so with that commitment to produce fruit in our life, when a branch isn't bearing fruit, he doesn't rip it off, break it off. He he wants to nurture it. He wants to bathe it. He wants to reattach it. And so if we're in Christ, we don't have to be afraid that we can somehow sin our way out of being in Christ, that, mm-hmm. or that we can somehow you know, commit the unpardonable sin or 
we're having a bad week or bad month or a bad year that God's going, oh, you know, I'm done with you. you you're, not, you're not doing things right. I'm going to cut you off. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's not the way God is. Right. It, it, as a matter of fact, I mean, quite the opposite. I think what the text is talking about is that God may ordain seasons of pruning <laughs> yeah, exactly. or, or seasons of lifting, you know, and it's, you know, the, the pruning never is a pleasant experience. No. And yet it's for our good and for our fruitfulness. The thing I love about this exegetical issue is that there are a lot of translation issues that at the end of the day... Don't really like, matter. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, okay, well, is is that word original or or isn't it? But it doesn't affect the heart of the passage. It doesn't affect, you know, something essential to God's character. But with this one, it, or and it, and it doesn't really clarify the argument mm-hmm. one way or the other, or, or the flow of the paragraph. This one, to me, totally does. It does. Me too. It, it clarifies because clearly there's a big contrast happening in John 15. But is the contrast between fruitfulness and unfruitfulness, or is the contrast between in Christ, not in Christ? Exactly. And I, I think you and I would it's agree. It's a secondary. It's like a one. Right. It's yeah. it's are you in Christ or not? Right. And um, fruitfulness flows out of and is a product of our being in Christ, as opposed to how it it can sometimes be read, which is fruitfulness is the thing that matters. And so you better be in Christ or else. Mm -hmm. And I think there there are some or else passages in Scripture. And and so that's not to dismiss those. Oh, there's warnings? For sure. Absolutely. Um, And and I'm not trying to explain away a warning. I'm trying to understand and I'm confused about why theologians and interpreters interpret it this way. And I'd love to sit down with like a a commentator who who interprets it this way and and Mm -hmm. talk that through, you know, explain to me and let me, let me argue my position and and tell me, and you, you refute me (laughs) because I think I have a pretty good case. You know, it's never used any other way in the new Testament to translate to be cut off. And And furthermore, there is language for, cuts right. off. It's not mm-hmm. like this word is carrying both meanings. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to say cuts off, there's a word for that, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyway, that's, and I don't remember when you and I first talked about this issue. It was before I was a pastor on staff. I, I may have been an intern. It was November, 2018. Oh, was it? <laughs> Do you know that? Cause that's when you preached the message? No, or? because I, I uh, noticed, I sent you this argument in an email Oh, okay. Because um, you were asking some questions about it. And so I gave you this argument and I just was looking at that email just to review. I and bet you it, that's I bet you that's when I was preaching that sermon for my class at Taylor. It it was um November twenty eighth, twenty eighteen. Okay, so some for those of you who who don't know Jim like I do, sometimes if you ask him how long something is gonna be or when something's gonna happen, he'll give oddly specific times just in jest. And so I thought he was doing that. But here we actually know for sure. So and it's all, it's so funny because you called me Dr. Minling. Oh, did I? <laughs> this is this is this is you're in college. College, your your address your you know, addresses at Taylor Edu. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you 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 saw me more as a doctor and as Pastor Jim than than friend. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And colleague. It's, <laughs> uh, I, it's funny. But what I what I loved about it is because you and I had talked about it, but it's not in tons of the literature. No. Like like you said, and yet when I in in um the Jan- January of was it 2019? Must be, yeah. It must, yeah, I think it was January 2019. 
I was I went to Israel for three weeks through, through Taylor, and we had this tour guide who studies the original languages, gives tours in Israel as a professor there at Jerusalem University College. Yeah. And so, and she's studying to get her, you know, her PhDs and all these sorts of things. And she takes us into the Judean hillside, which is this beautiful landscape yeah. and all these rolling hills, a very lush area. And she parks us at this location that she calls grandma's house because she's like, this is where you want to retreat to. And there's all these, you know, brooks and streams and all the, you know, these little, it almost looks like the Hobbit from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and she starts opening up John 15 and yeah. talking about how they would make a livelihood for themselves, how important it was for them to have grapevines and how God tells them not to cut down the fruit vines if they're, you know, all these sorts of things. And she talks about how this verb I row and she agrees with you and your turn. Oh, really? Oh yeah. Yeah. Good. All I, right. I may have the, the audio saved on my phone, but I was like, we're not the only ones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it, was, it was such a cool moment for me because, yeah. um, you know, she's totally outside of any conversations that you and I had had. Yeah. And my, I remember when I, my, I also asked my Greek professor about this and he was totally in agreement with the rest of the translations and commentaries, which is, you know, <laughs> is the party line. Yeah. But I, I felt so vindicated, you know, by, <laughs> by, by that professor. By the way, I love that your guy did that. That's what I do. I mm -hmm. take people into a, a middle of a vineyard. Yeah, and uh, and I ask them, and they're like, "What are we doing?" I'm just come, walk here, walk into the middle of the vineyard. Then I ask them to grab a hold of the vine, mm -hmm. and then I read John 15, and it's yeah. so cool. We're standing in Israel in the middle of a vineyard. They're holding on to vines and branches, and we and we read this, and it's yeah. so awesome. And and I also want to point out though. Um, you know, working in the original languages and, and getting into the mm -hmm. Greek, it's it's helpful as, as you hopefully can see as we're trying to drill down. Man, what is the character of God, and what's going on in this passage, and what's the argument here, and mm -hmm. what does this mean for us? So it's helpful, but <clears throat> when we're talking about being connected with God through the Word and prayer, yeah, it is not a requirement. Yeah, um, these translations are excellent, and. Uh, you know, for every one time, you, you, we usually bring up to translations to disagree with them, <laughs> but we, we uh, take take for granted all the times when they're doing yeah. great work. Yes. Um, and so you, you don't need, and we've talked about this before on the podcast, but it's not a requirement to connect to, with God. To know Greek and Hebrew. Right. right. Um, and, and so that's kind of the next thing that I wanted to talk about. You know, as we're thinking about taking our next steps deeper into intimacy with God, into connection with God mm -hmm. through the word and, and in prayer, uh, you know, what is it, what does that look like for us practically? Mm -hmm. and, and you got into this a little bit, but... You know, if you could break that down for us, what does it mean to connect with God through the Word? Yeah, yeah, it's it's life. I mean, <clears throat> I'll just give you an example. This morning, I'm I'm reading in Psalm 84, and I come across this verse that that says, "Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere." Mm -hmm. And I just I knew the verse, but I was just struck by it, and and I just stopped and just began to worship God because I was like captivated by. Yeah, that is true. I I love your presence. I love, you know, sensing your presence, and that's the most important thing to me. And and so I connected. I talked to God, and you know, we would call that prayer out of what He had shown me in His Word. And it's just it's in in one sense, it's a basic communication cycle. You know, God always initiates communication. Yeah. I mean, He initiates salvation. He initiates everything. Anytime anyone talks to God, it's a response. 
Hmm. You know, God's always taking, made the first move. So communication, you know, cycles are communicator A, this is God, initiates communication B, communication, communication or communicator B can decide, do I want to listen to that? Do I want to hear that? Hmm. Do I want to respond back? If they do, now you've just completed one cycle and the relationship deepens as communicator A and communicator B go back and forth. And just, and it's very basic. That's what it is. And that's all yeah. prayer is. Yeah. That's all connecting is. It's, it's the relationship that you're having with a living God, with the living God, mm. as you um, listen to his words in scripture, as you respond back to him. And this week we're going to talk about how worship is a loving response to yeah. who God is and what he's said and what he's done. So I was worshiping God this morning in Psalm 84, mm -hmm. but it wasn't like, um, okay, now I'm going to worship. It just flowed out of, I almost said flued. It, almost, <laughs> it flew, it flowed out of this this relationship, this, this connecting. Mm -hmm. So, you know, now let's put it on a human level. You know, I want to have conversations with you because I love you that are, that are connecting. Yeah. Where, you know, and if, if you were to say to me, you know, you know, Jim, what do you think about this, this passage? And I'm like, isn't it beautiful outside today? You know, and do you like the color? And you say, well, I want to talk about John 15. I know that, that's a great passage, but look at that. You know, I'm just like, what are you doing? Where, you're, are you even listening to me? Yeah. We're talking. Right. You're talking. I'm talking, but we're not connecting. Mm -hmm. And you think about how does that work in, re in marriage relationships? There's, yeah. there's talk happening, but is there connection? Yep. And this is what God wants from us. He wants us to connect with him. He actually wants connection. He, he wants relationship, which mm. is, doesn't need it, but he wants it, which is beautiful. Yeah. And, and so, he, you know, can I say it this way? He lights up, you know, when we respond, because that's what he, that's why he made us to connect with us. Mm. And, and I find out after I do that, that this is what touches the deepest part of me. I guess I was made yeah. for connection with God and with his creation. And, mm -hmm. and so what a beautiful gift God's given us. And what a beautiful way for us to connect. He speaks through his word. I speak back to him and it just goes deeper and deeper. Mm -hmm. So at the very basic, what I mean by connection is that relational um, event where two beings are, um, I'm trying not to use the word connect <laughs> to define connect, <laughs> uh, are, are you know mutually um edifying each other mutually in um uh, lifting each other up mm. through the the dialogue yeah and um you know you, there's other ways to connect you know i can connect with god without saying words mm. but it, if i'm going to connect with god without saying words i'm thinking them in my mind yeah you know i, I don't connect with god by looking at blue i connect with god at looking at when i look at his creation and i read his word and God, there has to be some substance to it. It can't just be being. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so, you know, God is a God who communicates. And that's what the story of the Bible is about. God communicates, then he creates, you know, and then and he communicates more. Mm -hmm. And Yeah. And I think it's it's apt to use the marriage relationship as, a, as an image of that because you know, we believe that marriage was created to mirror something mm -hmm. about what God, God desires God. Yes. You know, to have with us, yes. his, his bride, mm -hmm. you know, as the church. Yep. And so, you know, that, that intimate marriage relationship, 
or well, and, and even a, a close friend, like a dear friend, mm -hmm. Jesus says to his disciples, I've not called you servants, but friends. Yeah. And so that's another great image, yeah. but that, you know, and there's, there's some guys, uh, in my life who, when we see each other, we just, you know, bear hug each other and you know, we, <laughs> we're connecting and we're, yeah. we're enjoying one another yes. and we're, there's a depth there. There's a trust there. There's yeah. a safety there. Same thing with my wife. You yep. know, there's a depth, there's a trust, there's a safety. And all that's connection. Yes. And, and it's, you know, we, we think of you, sometimes we anthropomorphize our relate. you know, we, we think of our relationship with God in human terms when yeah. in reality it's Always. it's our human terms that reflect it. God gave us to reflect you know <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> um which is wonderful and uh another interesting thing that that I was thinking about is uh thinking back to John 15 it's so interesting to me you know when we when we talk about connecting with God through the word and prayer I love that language because so often when we talk about bible reading or devotional time we, especially those who have been in the church or around the church for a long time, I feel like we bring so much baggage into that. <laughs> yeah. And so like back to John 15, it's not about abiding. It's about all these or else sorts of things. You know, I got to do my Bible reading or else right. I'm not a good Christian. Right. God so, won't bless me today. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, or, yeah. I'm, you know, I can't expect things to go well today because I neglected to have my Bible time. <laughs> yeah. And even, even I can fall into that where it's like, cause you know, you're supposed to study in addition to what you're studying to teach or preach. And so it's like, man, I got to do my devotions or else my sermon prep isn't going to go well, so, which is, there's truth to that, but it's, it's that or else mentality. Right. It's not linear mm -hmm. uh, that, that there's a direct connection between um, you know, if I spend an hour in the word, I'll get more insights yeah. when I study from my sermon later on in the day. <laughs> if I spend two hours in the word, I'll get even more. So, you know, yeah, yeah. I only spent five minutes talking to God this morning. I can't expect him to mm -hmm. give me much insights from the word today. Yeah. Yeah. And what I'm studying later on. Yeah. That, that's, that's, that's bogus. That's, and so, that's, that's an affront to God. Right. And so, it, you know, as mm -hmm. if we're trying to strip down to sort of the basic components or basic elements, how can, and I think they're present in John 15, and I, th I think you did talk about them on Sunday, but kind of bring up for us again, what does it practically look like? You know, mm -hmm. what are the, what are the essential components mm -hmm. to that connection moment with God? Yeah. Well, as we saw from verse seven, uh, that's our first hint in the passage that, you know, when Jesus says, if my words remain in you. And so mm -hmm. we spend a little time talking about that, that every word that Jesus says is the word of God. Yeah. And of course that meant, you know, something different to them because, you know, even though the chosen shows Matthew writing notes down, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> possible. It was a, it was a much more of an oral cult, a culture. Yeah. Uh, meaning the oral meaning something that's spoken and something heard. And mm -hmm. so information was transmitted much more orally. Right. Stories were translated. History was translated. And scripture is much more, it happens much more as me talking about it. So mm -hmm. you, read, you read things in the New Testament about read this letter to the congregation. You know, we've, we've experimented with different books, especially it works when I preach from a short book. <laughs> you know, at the end of this book, let's do a public reading of this because yeah. that's what Paul tells Timothy to do. And, you know, our culture has fallen so much in love with writing and reading and technology that we've, uh, our culture and previous cultures have almost inadvertently weaned ourselves off of the orality of the gospel. What I mean by that is the, 
the spoken word, right? which is how the Bible starts. God speaks, let there be light, not God writes. Um, and so God is a God who speaks. And so when God in human form, Jesus, comes and speaks, that's the word of God. And so those, the disciples, I, I think they hung on every word that Jesus mm. said, because you know it says, no one speaks like you. No one has ever spoken like you. And for sure, the disciples were a part of that group that were just in awe of the things Jesus said and the stories he told and the, and the way he, you know, talked about who God was and the way he described life. But um, Jesus wants the things that he says to stick in us, to remain us, to be, to connect, to be connected in us. Yeah. And so that is going to require me to memorize those, to share them. Um, you know, there's something significant that happens when I share a story multiple times or when I share an insight multiple times, it becomes more a part of me. Mm. And so this is, by the way, just a, just a little a bit of advice uh, and encouragement uh, for our listeners and watchers now. When you're discovering something from the Word of God in your time with God, tell somebody about it later on in the day. Yeah, That'll encourage them, but it'll also kind of deepen the connection in you. And the more times you tell people about it, the more you take ownership over that. That's one of the ways that the Word of God, the words of Jesus can remain in you yep. because they're being repeated. And you and I, as teachers, we, we learn more typically than people who are just listening because we're studying and then sharing. We're studying and then sharing. And so it, just from a psychological standpoint, it sticks in us more. Right. So that's, that's one simple way. Um, again, we, in the sermon, we talked about meditating. We talked about memorizing. You know, those are some of the classic ways that the word of Jesus remains in us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, obeying. Is it, I didn't talk about that, but, you know, Jesus talks, if you love me, you will obey me. Again, that's not a, uh, or else passage, you know, you better, you better obey me because you don't, it's proven that you don't love me. That's not the tenor. The tenor is, right. Hey, if you love me, the, the obedience flows out. It just that's right. comes out of you. And, and, um, so obeying God's word, meditating God's on God's word, memorizing God's word, sharing God's word, um, you know, to bring the arts in, painting, drawing, writing out. You know, one of the things that we're trying to do with this excursion is to get people to, to get back to writing. Uh, you're holding in your hand one of the journals that we produce. Yes. Um, where we, when the first time I produced it, I was trying to encourage people, write down your prayers, write down your insights, uh, write down, literally write down the verse you're memorizing. Because in that very act of writing a verse down, it's... It's somehow getting more deeply embedded in me. And um, I had a professor one time said that thoughts untangle themselves at the end of our lips mm -hmm. and our fingertips. Meaning when you write something or when you verbalize something, you can kind of, kind of get some clarity about what you're thinking. And that's just a, a pedagogical principle. You know, it's an axiom that when you write things down, when you say things, they get more embedded. Yeah. So in the excursion, you, if you guys have noticed, there's all kind of blank lines for you to write prayers or to write insights and to, and these are these are ways that that word of God can more easily remain in you. So, yeah, and and that's really 
one of the, one of the awesome things I love about it uh, with, with this excursion is it's trying new things or reengaging with things that you tried and then mm-hmm, maybe mm-hmm. fell fell off of. Sure. And that's you also mentioned this. That's part of the heart behind the next step survey is that it gives you lots of different options. Yeah. And if you if you read under this category of connecting with God through the Word and prayer progressively through the different stages of growth, a lot of the action steps have to do with break up your routines, Mm -hmm. try something new, because there's not one way to do this. And and I think one of the, one of the ways that that's seen is, you know, when we think about the early church, when we think about, you know, immediately following Jesus words, which you got into this a little bit talking about in the chosen Matthew, writing things down. Well, it's, it was more of an oral tradition for Mm -hmm. a little while. Mm -hmm. And so, um, for, for the early church, as they were, you know, hearing this story about Jesus told in John 15, what might they would have thought of, um, when it, when it comes to remaining in the word, because Mm -hmm. when, when we think about it, you know, we think about, where is it? My leather bound, you know, 2011 NIV version Bible. You know, we think Jesus. We we read Jesus saying, "Remain in my word," and we think this book, which is, I'm not discounting that, but right. you know, it's we're in a unique time frame where we can think about this. Mm-hmm. And so, what, what you know, well, one thing this might be fun. Look at John eight thirty one. Sure, because. Um, this Greek word that we keep use, we keep talking about remain is the word minnow, not minnow, like a, the fish. It's, um, in, Eng- in English, it would be M-E-N-O. Yeah. And that same word shows up in John 8, 31. And it's, it's, it, it, when you compare it to John 15, it's fascinating. Uh, he says in the middle mm-hmm. of the verse, if you remain... In in me, you know, uh, in, in in NIV, it's translated. If you hold to my teaching, so but in the Greek, it's remain in the word of me. If you remain in my words, hmm. um, so um, this is a, a same language, but almost a completely different thing. So yeah. holding on to, obeying, keeping these, this gives color to this word. Meno, remain, stay connected. Um, and it goes a little bit back with what we said earlier about obedience, but uh, I remain. One of the ways I remain in God is I in God's in God's word and His words remain in me. Is that I do them. I don't just talk about them. I actually do them. Yeah. And this is one of the massive disconnects. If I can wax a little bit about this, um, that that I think I, taught, I used the word myth in a sermon recently, that one of the myths is that information yeah. equals transformation. And um, no, you have to do the word. You have to apply the word. So without question, one of the ways that you remain in the word is you do the words of Jesus. You love people. You care for people. You seek God. You um, feed the poor. You clothe the, the, the naked. You know, you, you do Jesus's words. Yeah. You forgive one another. So these are you know, all kinds of different ways that I think the disciples may have heard this word meno. Uh, it means I repeat. It means I obey. It means I meditate on it. It means I live it out. Mm-hmm. Um, That's so. right. And that to me, that captures some of what we talk about when we talk about living surrendered. Yeah. Is we're, we're submitting ourselves to 
God's word, mm-hmm. submitting ourselves to the things that he is saying and teaching us. Yeah. Amen. And there's, and I think some, some people, I think if we're taking an overly literal reading of Jesus's words, we, you know, we maybe could then say, okay, but then why are, what are we doing reading in Nahum? You know, or what are we doing reading in? Yeah. Those aren't in, the words of Jesus. In the old, in the, in the old Testament. And, uh, and yet, and that's where I think we need to remember that, um, as as you've said, every word that Jesus speaks is God's word, mm-hmm. and that for Jesus to say, "Remain in my word," it, it's you know it's it's similar to saying, "Remain in the the revealed word of God that's contained in the scriptures." Now, I don't think that the disciples thought that. No, uh, I, I think they were thinking, "What has Jesus told us? You mm-hmm. know, what has He taught us?" Right, and I need to. Um, tell others what Jesus said. Right. And so, you know, it's one of the cool things. There's this passage in, in the book of Acts where Paul says, uh, as Jesus says, it's more blessed to give than receive. Well, there's no place in the Gospels where Jesus says, it is more <laughs> blessed to give than receive. Right. So Paul is tapping into an oral tradition, and we need to explain that oral tradition. Tradition is not a bad word. Or, mm-hmm. It just means that the the words that were that were passed down from Jesus. Yep. So so Paul had, had somebody had because as far as we know Paul never met Jesus and or had a conversation with the the physical Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it had been passed down, uh, maybe through Mark because Paul had a relationship with Mark, maybe through Luke who you know read Matthew and Mark, or maybe there were, you know, there was also, also some other sayings that had been passed down orally. Yep. And one of them was, it's more blessed to give than to receive, you know? So <laughs> remember what John, what John said at the end of his gospel, if tr- someone tried to record everything Jesus said and did, all the books in the world couldn't contain it. Well, this is an example. That's right. It's more blessed to give than receive. So in those days, that's what they were thinking, the things that Jesus said and yeah, the things that he yeah. taught us. And one of the, one of the things I love about one of the first questions in our excursion guide as we're discussing the sermon is you're looking at these different vignettes of how Jesus treated the scriptures, which for him, they it would have been the old Testament. That, oh yeah. And oh, so yeah. It, only the old Testament. And so the, you know, while, while these passages are directly talking about, and the, you know, the first hearers are probably thinking about specifically the words of Jesus. Well, then if you look at the words of Jesus and you <laughs> see the way that he treats the old Testament, <laughs> yeah. You know, you can tell he's treating them with reverence. Yeah. He's treating them with value. He's he's affirming them and he's fulfilling them. And yeah. so then we can submit to them. And I, I think that's an important thing for us to get through because uh, some sometimes we can take a little bit of a preference to the New Testament, which I totally understand. Yeah. Um, and yet. If we're going to be like Jesus, Jesus read the Old Testament. <laughs> you know? Those are the only scriptures he had. That's right. The Old Testament. That's and, right. And the only scripture his followers had. Mm-hmm. They they did not quite grasp that Jesus's words were inscripturated, that this, I'm listening to scripture now, um, which, by the way, that in, in the New Testament, that all that, it's just the word writings. Mm-hmm. It, there's not a word for scripture. It's it's the writings of the prophets, the writings of Moses, the right. writings of of the historical of, of David, etc. So, yeah. Uh, but it, it was writings that be that that became um, elevated, and so they kind of coined that word to refer to the holy writings, the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, if, if, if I remember the first time I noticed that there's actually no Greek word for the word 
scripture. It's just the word yeah. writings. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, you got to understand the first century. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's not to, you know, th- there are some differences there between us and the first century, but that's not to say that, you, you know, where, where, it, where it lands today is still in a, in a very similar place to kind of what we think about with reading the scriptures and doing our devotions. Like that's, we're not introducing something separate from that or. Oh no. Or, oh no. No. We, 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 when we read the Old Testament, that's the canon of the Old Testament. That's mm-hmm. the, that's the, the, the word of God that the church has recognized. This is God's word. And same with the New Testament. We, we, we've come to recognize, oh, this is the word of God, you know? Yeah. Um, which I think is, is, you know, different from, from like the cult, like the Mormon cult where, you know, you know, the scriptures all came down from heaven, you know, fell down on a, on a mountain or something and the, as if they're trying to kind of recreate Moses and the 10 commandments. You know? mm, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. They're on, on the, the golden tablets or on the, mm-hmm. on the golden pages there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, and this is, this is something that I think can, can be a barrier for some people with Bible reading is that they are human texts and that there are, there are difficulties and it's, um, you know, you, you have to study them to understand them. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> And uh, that that can be a barrier, right? Because we we would believe that the the scriptures are God's word, a hundred percent, but that God in, inspired people to write them, right? Uh, and so, uh, or, or rather, that God led people to write inspired words. Yes, He breathed out the words; they wrote them down, right? Yeah. And, and so, the the scripture is, you know, we we get that Paul's letters are different from John's writings because their personality is coming through. Their, mm-hmm. their personal experiences are coming through. Yeah. Their different audiences and you know, historical occasions are coming through. And, uh, that can, that can cause confusion if you're, yeah, that's a whole nother podcast right there. <laughs> yeah. uh, how do we, how do we come to believe the Bible? How do we come to know what, what, what books of the Bible belong in? There were, there were other writings that happened mm-hmm. in the first century. Why aren't those right. included in and and in that respect, you know, I believe that when God breathed out His Word into the personality of the writers of the Bible, and then they wrote down what God breathed into them, you know, that's a special revelation. That is a special moment in history, and to me, it's miraculous because when God speaks to me and I write things down, that's not scripture. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't think that happens with you either. No, not, not yet. <laughs> but when, when God breathed out these words to Paul, to John, to Moses, to, to David, you know, that's a miracle of mm-hmm. God revealing his words. But don't you love how he uses humans? Mm-hmm. I, 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 we sometimes we get tripped on. Well, it's just it's humans that wrote it. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Instead of, instead of thinking that's, that's a problem, right? How about if we just marvel that this is what God would do? He invites us in to His revelation. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful, right? We we can think of the different genres and the complexities and inconvenience. There there was a I don't know if it's in How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth, which is a great book on the topic, or if it's a different book. But it says it, it makes the point that God used every literary genre available at the time <laughs> to communicate his love to people to reveal. Yeah. And, yeah. and so it's like, you know, you can see that as an inconvenience or you can see it as, wow, look at 
all the different ways. The lengths that he went to. We were in the Psalms all the time, and there's this breadth and this depth Mm -hmm. that reflects the human experience. And I'm so grateful for that because it makes me feel less ashamed of (laughs) the way that I feel. Yeah, you're human. Yeah, yeah, things that are normal that I experience. But, you know, ultimately in Bible reading, the goal as Christians is not just to understand which is some of what we're talking about, although understanding the Bible is important. Mm-hmm. But the goal is, you know, getting back to John 15, is is to connect. And ultimately that that connection is going to be fruitful. Amen. And so can can you talk to us a little bit more about if that's the goal of Bible reading, if that's the goal of connecting with God in the Word and in prayer, how does that, ha- how, you know, how, how does it go from me picking up my Bible to me seeing Christ-likeness in my daily life? Well, it's this very simple formula, A plus B equals C. That's what everyone's looking for, a formula. Um, and of course, the, as I said in the sermon, the answer does kind of depend mm-hmm. upon your stage of growth. Yeah. And so, you know, let me start in, in the opposite way of the sermon. And let me start with the reproducing, the, the, the most mature stage. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a stage where I have... Um, fed on the Bible so long and so deeply, and it has, you know, really colored. You know, it's it's like soaking a fabric in dye. Mm. That that that's that's marinating. That's meditating. So it's it's colored me. It's 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 permeated me. And so, you know, I I begin now to think thoughts after God. I have the mind of Christ. I I might be so hungry to know God that I might want to learn the la- the language of the Bible. I might want to learn Hebrew. I might want to learn Greek. I might want to study in depth because I'm just hungry for every drip, every nuance I can gain to help me to know God better. Mm. And so I've got, you know, so the other day I was I talked to someone about leading a person to Christ. Um uh, over the course of that hour conversation, I probably quoted thirty different verses. I just they just kept coming. Well, where where did that come from? Was that the Holy Spirit supernaturally downloading? No, that's the years of studying and praying the Word, obeying the Word, living it out, teaching it, preaching it, reading it again, reading it again, reading it again, meditating on just a life of that forming me. So mm-hmm. this is what scripture does. It forms us. It's called spiritual formation. And, and you know, every media, movies, books, things, social media, all that forms us. But scripture forms us to be more like God, to yeah. think God's thoughts, to, to care for people like God does. We become godly. We become Christ-like as the the Word of God forms us. Well, that means we have to imbibe it. We have to read it. We have to digest it. You know, so after a lifetime of doing that, I have at my disposal all, all kinds of verses, all kinds of insights. And yes, the Holy Spirit does just what Jesus said he would do. Mm-hmm. He will remind you yeah. of everything I've said. <laughs> We're back to yeah. God. Jesus did. You know, the Holy Spirit did not download into my mind that night scriptures that I had never read. Right. He didn't download into my mind scriptures that I'd never heard. He he reminded me of scriptures I had prayed, studied, memorized, meditated on, used. Mm-hmm. 
And so I, if I can say this, as a mature believer who's walked with God many years and who's been reproducing, I have at my disposal a treasure of scripture and and wisdom and valuable insights that I'm able to use now to lead a person to Christ or to counsel someone or to guide them. So, you know, that's that's the beauty of what can happen uh, and as God uses me to help others and as God does that for me. Because one of the things I, to- I told this woman I led to Christ was I-, I have for many years practiced self-talk, which I learned from David in Psalm 42 and 43, where he says to himself, why so downcast, oh my soul? Yeah. I mean, he's talking to himself. Yeah. Then he continues by saying, talking to himself and saying, put your tr- hope in God. Mm-hmm. I have used that verse hundreds of times. I have talked to myself, Jim, you're downcast. Why, why so downcast? You know, put your hope in God. I literally use the words that David wrote <laughs> as I talk to myself yeah. and I encourage myself in the Lord. I strengthen myself in, according to the word. One of David's phrases in Psalm 119, strengthen me according to your word. Yeah. Love that phrase. And so, you know, I'm helped because I'm a mature, reproducing Christian who has lived decades connected to the God, connected to God through the word and prayer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it helps me, it helps my, my family, it helps people I'm, I'm, help, I'm helping. That's, that's the beauty of a life soaked in the word of God. I'm bearing fruit. I'm bearing much fruit to the glory of God. Yeah. And, um, and so then you just, now you work backwards from that. Okay. Well, a maturing believer is a person who's on that journey, mm-hmm. but uh, is still growing, is still reading, is still learning and, and, and has, is not yet begun to use that to help others. So there is fruit in his life or her life, but that's not reproducing yet. I haven't led anyone to Christ. I haven't discipled anybody. I'm not counseling anybody. I, I'm only using it for myself. Yeah. And so there's growth, but not, not reproductive growth. And then back it from there to the, the young Christian. Well, I'm just learning the scriptures. You know, I'm learning my way around. I, are, I may or may not know where Habakkuk is. <laughs> I may or may not know that when someone says John 15, I'm like, oh, that's the, that's the account of Jesus and you telling the story of if you abide in me or if you remain in me. Right. Now, I may or may not know that, but I'm starting to, to learn. You know, there's an Old Testament, there's a New Testament, there's, um, there's, there's these stories, you know, and I'm, I'm putting the, I'm putting the, I'm connecting the Bible, which come on, the Bible is huge. It's a massive book with this in one respect is very complex. Mm-hmm. And yet another respect is very simple, but it, you have to read it and you cannot grasp all the meaning of the Bible in a week right, or a month or a year. It takes years. Yeah of diligence in the word before you begin to really grasp, you know, who God really is. And you begin to get rid of those caricatures and you begin to clean up your theology. And, and, you know, so then now we back up to the first stage. I'm beginning. Well, I, I don't know anything about the Bible. You know, I, I need you to tell me where the book of John, the letter uh, to the the gospel of John is, Mm -hmm. you know, tell me the page number. Or I, I know so little, I need you to explain everything to me. Now, the Bible can be understood. Most of it can be understood. It's clear 
the pers- perspicuity of scripture, right? Right. Um, but there's riches and there's depths that I need to study to get more from. And, mm-hmm. um, and there, there's mystery that, that is still veiled yeah. to young believers. You, everything you need to know as a young believer is there. You don't need to know all the mysteries of God when you're a young believer. You just need to know how to feed yourself from the word of God. You need to know, um, what, you know, what it means so I can obey it and things like that. So I went backwards. Right. Um, and so, you know, um, I am still as a mature reproducing Christian, I'm still having my devotions. I'm still reading in Nehemiah this morning and reading in the Psalms and I'm, I'm doing the same things I did 20, 30 years ago, Yeah. but I'm doing more than that. I'm, I'm also, uh, able to do word studies and dig deeper into theology or to how this this teaching or this uh, topic gets yeah. treated other places in scripture and it's what's been fun for me recently mm-hmm. is as as i as i've interacted with people reading through the bible for the first time <laughs> and re- i mean really reading it yeah you know, this this kind of phenomenon that you're talking about is not unique to the bible in the sense that People have the same kind of experiences when they're watching through the Marvel Cinematic Universe, sure. right? When you when you watch one movie, when you're just getting introduced to it, you're like, okay, well, why? Who's that guy, mm-hmm. and what are they doing over there? And you maybe you're watching a movie out of order, so you really have no con- context for what's happening. Or the people who quote uh, their favorite movies, like you know, mm-hmm. in our family, we quote Princess Bride yep. to each other, you know, and so. You know, anybody want a peanut? You know, as soon as someone says that, you know, that that's nonsense to a person who doesn't know that movie. But if you know the movie, you're like, ah, it reminds me of Fezzik and uh, Vizzini, you know, on the, on the, in the boat. And they were yeah, having yeah, this yeah. rhyming contest, you know, and people will literally quote back and forth. I mean, they're quoting a movie. Mm-hmm. How about if we do that with the Bible, you know? Yeah, yeah. So you're right. We, we do those things, quote movies, quote books, quote right. uh, our favorite um, actor or, or musician or athlete. Well, and, and not just that, but if you if you had the privilege, you know, to see Endgame in theaters or one of these Marvel movies, people are weeping, you yeah. know, after ha- after having seen all the context and all the buildup is there's a there's a story being told. And when you understand the story and the narrative, it grips you. There's something really wonderful yeah. about it. And Thanos <laughs> takes on a whole new meaning. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I, I love seeing that happen for people with the scriptures. And that's one of the reasons why we do teach classes to help people get a breadth exactly. who are beginning in Christ, who are young in Christ, or even people who are maturing in Christ to fill in those gaps, to fill in those pieces. Yeah. But um, as you were explaining that, one question I wanted to ask is, and, and I was thinking of interrupting you to ask it because it's not going to have the same effect now. But so, so having done your devotions faithfully for so many decades now, every time you do your devotions, does, do the heavens open and does the light, you know, shine forth from, from yes, the clouds? Every oh, time. Yeah. I'm, it's just like, t- t- I mean, typically angels show up in the room, start feeding uh, a, you, a dove yeah, flies yeah. in. I mean, that, that's, what no, mostly happens. That's right. Um, yeah, you know, for sure. There's um, times where I read a psalm or read a um, a, a narrative passage, whatever, wherever I'm at, and I'm like, hmm, uh, yeah, it's nothing there, you know. And and <laughs> and sometimes, um, you know, just to be fully transparent. Sometimes I, I don't linger. I'm just like, okay. I read the scriptures for today. I didn't really get anything, and I and I go on about my day especially if I feel like I have a busy day. Mm. Um, other times I'll feel like, 
you know what, I am going to linger today. I am going to, you know, maybe there's something here I need to hear, or maybe there's something I'm missing. And, uh, and I will linger. And, and even when I do, there are times when I still walk away going, I, I didn't really get a nugget. I really didn't get a, an insight. I really didn't get blown away by, are you kidding me? Whoa. Right, you know, right. um, but the times that God does reveal something of himself to me or gives me an insight or points out sin in my life through scripture or points out an area that I'm, you know, really not being um, as developed or mature as I can be. Those are powerful moments and they make up for me. They make up for the times where I really didn't get a whole lot out. Mm -hmm. And it's the same thing with eating Sometimes I eat meals and I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I can hardly believe I'm about to say this. But my wife made me avocado toast the other day, which oh, really? I make fun of because I think it's <laughs> it's like, what? Get something tasty. Yeah. And she's like, you got to try this. And I took a bite and I'm like, whoa, my taste buds are like, boom, boom, boom. You know, that is amazing. Erie Island has fantastic avocado toast. <laughs> and then there's other times where... I eat a meal and it's, you know, it's not that good. In fact, I might not even really like it, mm -hmm. but it's nourishing me. It's yep. having an effect yeah. on me, even when I don't notice the effect. Yes. And that's what I know about the word of God. I don't have to have a, a bombastic experience to know I'm being fed. I'm mm -hmm. being nourished. Yes. And, and I know enough now to go, I need to feed on the word of God to stay alive spiritually. Yep. And um, so I do. Yeah. And there's there as I've read articles and different things about Bible reading and meditation, some people will make uh, they'll draw a, a parallel in a sense to uh, the Israelites eating manna, manna. in the wilderness, yeah. where it's like you, Very you good. don't go back and try to gather yesterday's bread, mm -hmm. don't try to gather enough for tomorrow, just rest in God's presence today, yeah. remain in Him today. And that's and trust that he's going to bring manna tomorrow, right? And that to me, that's so freeing, yeah. Uh, because it's it's I'm not trying to manufacture anything. I can just say, all right, Lord, what what, what might you have for me today? Mm -hmm. uh, and that, I think there's that's different than give me my little nugget. Mm -hmm. It's it's it, but it's but it's also not trying to make devotional time something that it isn't. Yeah, and and apply all this you know pressure to it. Um, and I also, let, me, let me give it a word of encouragement to people who have maybe leaned too much on a devotional guide. Mm. You know, there's wonderful devotional guides. My favorite of all time is a book called My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers. Yeah. And what I mean a dev devotional guide is every day there is a reading that, uh, from, this, from this guy. He writes a, a couple paragraphs about a verse. And... It, and it, there are people who use a different devotional guide every year. There are people who lean on that devotional and that becomes their nourishment instead of the word of God. And so I know there are people out there like that. So if I can just, I don't know if anyone's listening that's, that's like that, but may I encourage you to don't uh, only eat what other people have served. Learn to feed yourself from the word of God mm. and go to the scripture and and even if you're not getting, you know, gourmet meals, you're you're learning how to cook. You're learning how yeah, to feed yeah. yourself. And no one can become a mature Christian if they don't learn to feed themselves from the Word of God. Yeah, that's a that's an absolute truth. 
If I only listen to sermons, even if they're great, if I only listen to read books, even if they're great, and don't learn how to feed myself from the Word of God, I put a cap on my on my spiritual growth. Yep, uh, it's it's, a, it's huge. Yeah, and it's easy to happen if you're, you know, I read the Daily Bread every day, or I read, you know, um, Coram Deo from you know, um, um, uh, the guy who just died. Uh, I can't remember his name. Look in the air, Ministries. Uh, What's his name? Oh no, Steve Lawson. No. Okay, no. I was like, hopefully he oh, didn't die. Can't believe I can't remember <laughs> his name. Um, <laughs> Anyhow, there, there's he always a lot has of... arguments with John MacArthur on. Oh um, really? On YouTube, R.C. Sproul. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. So you know, and, and E. Stanley Jones. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, Chuck Swindoll. There's there's hundreds of mm-hmm. devotional daily devotionals. Yeah. Um, that that are wonderful but they should never be a substitute for you learning to feed yourself. Right, right. Yeah. And there's uh, there's one, one, one more question I want to ask and kind of shift a little bit, because at, at, toward the end of your sermon, you also brought up how, you know, it's not, even though a lot of times we can focus on being connected to God through the word, there's this phrase at the end of that, which is, and prayer. <laughs> and uh, prayer is not a secondary element of this. It's a primary thing along with it, but... Um, it's part and, of that communication and, cycle. Yes, exactly. And and so in in the text we see we see prayer happening in John fifteen when it says when Jesus says and you can ask for anything in my name and it will be given to you. Mm, verse seven, yeah. And so there's or verse six, whatever. Yeah. One of them, yeah. But there's a there's kind of two a two part question here. The first part is just kind of exegetically or or looking at the text and thinking about, wait a minute, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. Is Jesus giving us a formula to get whatever <laughs> we want? Right. And that, that's, that has been taught and preached that way. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is not what Jesus is doing. Yeah. Uh, and this is a great example of why we need to be students of the word, because this is a great example where we need to let scripture interpret scripture. Yeah. And as Martin Luther said, scripture is its own best interpreter. So I understand this verse by looking at other places where the scripture talks about this or has something to say that, that, that helps me interpret this. So what Jesus is talking about is, is such a deep communion with God that, you know, like a Psalm 37 thing starts to happen. He shapes your will, shapes your desire. And so God, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Yes. Okay, that can be twisted to mean, oh, whatever I want, if I just say, you know, I love you, Lord, if I delight myself, then he'll give me. Mm-hmm. It's exact same interpretive principle that we're yeah. talking about. Yeah. No, what it means is is feed yourself, delight yourself, meditate on, let, let, again, back to spiritual formation, let God, God's word shape you so that his desires become your desires. And so now that he has shaped you and shaped your desires, when you pray that back, he'll give you the desire of your heart. That's exactly what's happening in John 15, yep. that you're living in such intimate communion with Jesus. You're living in such intimate communion with the Holy Spirit that he had, and he's shaping your desires. He's shaping your will. He's shaping your requests, mm-hmm. which is part of what Paul means when he talks about the Spirit helping us pray, is now you are praying in the will of God, that's right. Because he's shaped your mind, shaped your will, shaped your desire. So this is not a formula. This is um, a lifestyle that begins to work its way out. And 
you, you, I'm not going to pray for something wild and self-centered because I'm, that's praying out of my selfish will and I'm not praying out of God's will. So, um, that's, that's what that verse means. You, that when you live in this kind of intimacy, uh, God will so shape your heart and your desires that you'll find yourself praying his will, his desires, and, and they, they'll be, they'll be done. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, and I love that because, and I'm sure you can relate to this, Jim, there, there have been times in my life where I prayed for something <laughs> desperately sure. that I thought that I wanted and I, that I thought that would be good for me. And God didn't, he, he, he said no. Uh, and then he changed my heart mm-hmm. and, um, be beautiful. beautiful. That, that's a, that's a great thing for us to remember is that, you know, there, there will be times when, Prayer changes our circumstances, but there will probably be more times, <laughs> at least in my experience, where prayer is changing me. Amen. Um, and, and so, kind of as we as we round uh, round third, headed to home, <laughs> do you have any other practical suggestions as people are thinking about connecting with God through the Word and prayer, mm-hmm. thinking about their daily time with God, or or how they can <laughs> switch things up or, or get get into a deeper rhythm? uh, that, that you would, that you would share from, from your own life? Yeah. Um, there are, um, seasons. Uh, one of my favorite musicians years ago was a guy named Michael Amardian and he produced an album called seasons of the soul. And I've always loved that phrase. And the more I've walked with God, the older I am, the more I appreciate that. So there's been seasons in my life where, you know, I was just so hungry to, to learn and to grow and mm-hmm. just, you know, loved this, this rhythm. You use the word rhythm that I was in. And so I was you know, every morning I'd get up and I'd sit in a particular chair and I'd open up my Bible. And, and in those days I was not journaling, but it was a, a new American standard Bible. Mm-hmm. And I wrote in this margin and over that margin and I got <laughs> the highlighters and it's just, I mean, I, those were amazing days. And, um, I, I just couldn't get enough of, this translation and this season. And then I, I don't, I can't explain it, but the word seasons does, you know, mm-hmm. winter gives way to spring, spring gives way to summer and gives way to fall, gives way to winter. I all of a sudden it's like the new American standard Bible. Just, um, I just wasn't, it just wasn't opening to me. I wasn't getting connected. And so, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't, I didn't know what to do. And I was sitting in a service one day and this guy said, I want to read something out of this new, uh, he called it a translation. It's, it's not a translation. It's a paraphrase, but it's called The Message yeah. by this guy, Eugene Peterson. Well, I, heard of, I heard of Eugene Peterson. I'm like, well, what's this? Mm-hmm. And he, he read out of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 and 6. And Clay, I wept. It's like it's like Ezra reading the scripture a couple of weeks ago. We were, <laughs> yeah. you know, the people stood all day yeah. as they as Ezra read and then taught the scripture. I sat there as he read part of the Sermon on the Mount, and I began to cry hmm. because it just felt like someone was pouring water on a dry land, you know. And this isn't a man who wasn't reading the Bible. This is me. This is a man who's just really loving the rhythm of being in the new American standard and it's more literal and I'm, I'm studying words and thinking I'm, and I am, I'm learning so much. It was a great time, but for whatever reason, when I heard the, that message that day, I'll oh, just light water, refreshment, insight. And so 
I started reading the message, and I just like, you know, that's all I wanted to read. And then I began to mature to reading, you know, you know there's value in reading multiple translations. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if someone told me to do that or whether I just discovered that, but but the, what I'm trying to say is that change things up, you know. You read, a, 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 amazing things can happen just by changing translations. Yeah. And especially if you're the kind of person that really loves your King James or loves your New Living or loves your ESV. You know, just put that aside for a while and read out of another translation or yeah. another paraphrase. And, um, or, you know, change things up by uh, listening to the Bible inst- on, on audio Walk uh, in the woods. This is what I love to do. Walk in the woods or go for a bike ride or, you know, do something that doesn't take a whole lot of attention um, and just listen to the word, which is how the word originally was often communicated. Was You know, you heard it taught, you heard it read. And that experience of hearing the word can, again, dramatically change things. Or if you're a person who listens to the world at times, go back to reading it. Right. Change things up. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, if you're a person who who's not into rhythms, try something. That, this might sound bizarre, but try s- naming a room and a chair that you will always read the Word of God in. And mm-hmm. just see if, the, if it might work for you. Try it for a month. And, and um, you know, I, I remember one time a guy told me, Open up your Bible next to your bedstand to where you're going to read tomorrow. Hmm. And so when you wake up, there's your Bible, and it's already opened to Nehemiah 7. That'll be tomorrow's reading. Mm-hmm. And so it's like a reminder. There, there's Nehemiah 7 waiting for me, Psalm 85 <laughs> waiting for me, versus, you know, yeah. going down to the kitchen, then you get distracted. And then, mm-hmm. you know, so you know, put it right in front of you at the right place you want to have it open to. And then go to that room. Mm-hmm. Uh, very few people can read the Bible in the bed. In the morning, you know, <laughs> I, I probably could because when I wake up, I'm ready to go, but mm-hmm. I don't. I go someplace and I, you know, go to a, a rocking chair, go to an easy chair, go to a porch, go someplace. You know, Jesus said, when you pray, go into your closet. That doesn't mean you have to be in a closet, but he just, you know, go, go to a special place for you. And maybe that's a rhythm that would work for you yeah. or writing yeah. your prayers or writing your insights. Like we talked about earlier, right? just do something different. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we really promote using our daily devotions that we promote as a church. If you've been doing that year after year after year, way to go, because I think you're in the minority. But maybe you want to go to the U Bible and look up one of their reading plans and try yeah. a different reading. Or or here's a good one. Grab a chronological Bible yeah. and read through that. Um, you know. Clay and I aren't going to be upset if you're not following the daily devotions that we publish as a church. You know, well, at least we won't say that. So, yeah. you know. <laughs> but but I think most people probably need to get in the rhythm of using our church-wide devotions. Sure. And get get that just rooted in you. Mm-hmm. Um, and don't be afraid to change things. Right. Right. Um, so there's a couple ideas. Yeah, and I and I love that again, just because there's there's no one next step because it's about your relationship, right. your right. your where you're at with growth. And so, you know, my my prayer is that we are continuing to take that next step and especially here because again there there's this opportunity to recognize when we talk about mm-hmm. connecting with God through the word and prayer it's not a you better it's yeah. a, come on yes. w- why don't you come on and experience it's an invitation this? <laughs> yeah. yeah so so may we heed that invitation and may we be uh, a church who's drilling down deeper into connecting Amen. with God uh, and experiencing that intimacy so Amen 
as we close, I know I'm gonna. This is gonna be a change in tone. But uh, if you notice, I didn't do a drawing for the sweatshirt giveaway. That's because we're we're recording really close to the time when the last episode released, and that's totally fine. So this is just a quick reminder as we close that if you want to win one of these sweatshirts here, one of these Next Step sweatshirts, I've brought a gray one as well as a white one to show them off. But uh, if you wanna if you wanna grab one of these guys while they're still available, you can text the word John J O H N to our church phone number 440-323-4644 for a chance to win one of those guys and so we're we're excited to to give those away and to uh, just give you guys a chance to rep the next step type stuff and if you call now we'll throw in a set of ginseng knives and a a fishing pole that's that's coming out of jim's book budget too is what i heard Well, until until next week, and on that note, uh, we look forward to this time, and we will sign off. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast. But don't let the conversation end here. Find a group where you can deepen your roots at connect.opendoor.tv. And don't forget to submit your questions to podcast.opendoor.tv. Have a great week, and we'll see you Sunday.